Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wisdom Club Cricket Podcast in association with NatWest. I'm Yaz Rana and as ever I'm joined by the editor-in-chief of the Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, Phil Walker. Phil, this was the week that club cricket hit the mainstream in a way. It got more than just a shout out in the House of Commons and you wrote on wisdom.com it was a week that cricket was triggered. Yeah it has as you quite rightly say finally it's been pushed to the forefront of of the discussions regarding cricket's return. Um, I think the people involved in the making of these decisions, especially from the ECB's perspective, have been uh, cautiously um, reticent, possibly, and certainly quite uh, sensitive to the the difficulties around so many of these issues. Um, there's a, been a pragmatic drive, of course, to get the professional game on. That is unquestionably the, the cash driver uh, upon which the whole of, of the game hinges. But uh, finally, this question regarding uh, the return of club cricket, which is on the lips of so many people up and down the country, of course, you know, a playing force still around 850 to 900,000 active club cricketers. Uh, finally, that issue has been been raised and it couldn't have been raised um, it, on, on a more grand platform, of course, in the House of Commons. And um, it, it was raised by, by Greg Clark, uh, the MP for Tunbridge Wells, who I believe you've spoken to already for this show. And it, it seemed to me like he was looking just to simply rubber stamp the, uh, the return of club cricket in line with the, the missives that the ECB and the government had put together themselves, resulting in press releases going out from the ECB and emails going out from clubs to their own club members and from league chairman to the to club chairman and so on and so on. The message was out there. Early July was a realistic uh, starting point. And the message was quite clear. Go out there, folks. Get yourself ready. 
for the start of this this thing. Many thought that it w wouldn't happen at all this summer, and so it was a really buoyant message that the that the game was driving, and uh, that people were riding on over the last two or three weeks. And then when Mr. Clark raised this question uh, with with our Prime Minister, unfortunately, the answer that came back wasn't quite what we were looking for. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. Um, Clark says later on in this show that all, all he was looking for from the Prime Minister was confirmation that cricket was among the activities that we're allowed to once once again resume. Before I play that interview, I'll quickly go through the timeline of what happened this week. So on Tuesday, the Prime Minister announced a whole load of lockdown easing measures in the UK that will come into place from the 4th of July. Greg Clark just asked him, can he now specify whether the ban on cricket has come to an end? The Prime Minister responded uh, by saying, now famously, this goes to the point that I was trying to make to the House earlier because everyone will want to add something onto the great wheelbarrow of measures that we're making and at a certain point there will come a straw that breaks the camel's back. The problem with cricket, everyone understands that the ball is a natural vector of disease. At any rate, we've been around it many times with our scientific friends. At the moment, we're still working ways to make cricket more COVID secure but can't change the guidance just yet. And that was exactly when cricket was triggered. An army of cricketers pointed out the inconsistencies in Johnson's statement. The Telegraph launched a campaign to get club cricket back. And the ECB released quite a punchy statement saying, the England and Wales Cricket Board, along with the nation's cricket players, are keen to see the imminent and safe return of our sport at recreational level and have been working hard with government to achieve this. We believe that cricket is a non-contact sport with very low risks of exposure and it can be safely that can be played as safely as many other activities being currently permitted. It is our strong desire to work with government to see the return of recreational cricket on or around July the 4th as they continue to lift other restrictions more broadly across society. We're heartened that the government has already permitted the return of other ball sports, including tennis and basketball, and we are sure that our interpretation of the risks around ball transmission is consistent with these other games. So, as Phil alluded to earlier, we spoke to one of the men in the eye of the storm this week. The MP who's questioned the House of Commons started this whole fiasco, Greg Clark. Greg, thanks for joining the show. So first up, simple question. Do you think it's safe for recreational cricket to return from July the 4th? Yes, I do. Um, if, you, if you look at the fact that other sports are returning um, and you look at the, the social distancing rules, then actually in cricket, you've got a game that is very socially distanced. Uh, and in terms of the being in the outdoors, uh, that is another very important uh, factor. So that combination uh, makes it, in, from all of the evidence that I've seen, uh, one of the, uh, the safest sports you can think of. So I just kind of wanted to get an understanding of, uh, I don't know how it works, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners don't know how it works. So when you ask the question to the Prime Minister in the House of Commons, do you have an understanding of what the answer you get will be? Uh, so when you asked your question on Tuesday, did you have an idea of what you're expecting Boris Johnson to reply to you? Um, I didn't have any prior uh, information um, other than that the, the question followed a statement he made about the, the unlocking and the change in social distancing rules. And one of the things that he says uh, was said was that uh, sport and recreation uh, was uh, was returning. So when I then uh, got up to ask my question, I, I thought it was just a matter of confirming um, and actually a kind of piece of good news that the Prime Minister could have given, um, causing cheers across the country, that yes, absolutely, cricket was back. 
Uh, and so I was expecting that he would say, yes, indeed, I can tell my honourable friend that, um, that cricket can return from uh, 4th of July. Uh, and so when he said, actually, no, I was, I was astonished and, uh, and obviously very disappointed. Why do you think that the Prime Minister gave the answer that he did give? Well, um, he, I mean, the reason that he gave that cricket um, can't come back yet or couldn't come back at that, at that point was because he described the ball as a vector of, transition, of transmission, um, a colourful phrase. Um, and listen, it's, it's obviously right. We mustn't be um, uh, unsensible about this. You, you have to proceed on the basis of caution and, uh, and advice. And clearly, the coronavirus can be transmitted uh, by, by touch as well as by inhalation. That, that is true. I don't want to deny that. But it seems to me that when you consider the fact um, that the, the ball can be, uh, can be sanitised, uh, players regularly throughout the, the game, uh, players' hands can be washed and then regularly sanitised uh, during the game, there's a limited number of people who are ever going to touch the ball uh, during a game. It's in the open air, which we again know scientifically to be uh, to be very good at combating uh, infection. Uh, and then when you consider that you know, things like tennis, for example, which, you know, as you might experience, um, makes use of balls, uh, is it's possible to, uh, to play. I don't see why that shouldn't be the case for cricket. You, you wrote in your piece in The Telegraph that if a change of heart is not made within days, then it'll be too late to salvage this season. Why do you think that we're already at this stage? Is it, is it really that, that, that crucial? Well, it's for, for this reason that, you know, we've, we, we've lost half the season. We're about to, uh, to start July. Um, and the, the month of July and the month of August, obviously the season goes a bit uh, further into uh, September. But these are, these are the crucial months. And it takes a bit of organising. Clubs can't literally spring into night, you know, at a second's notice. You need to... Uh, you need to get in touch with the, uh, the players. I'm very keen that children should um, have the chance to, to play this summer. That takes a bit of organising. Um, and so if you don't make a move within the next few days, then you're going to be well into July. Uh, and then uh, for practical purposes, you've only got a, a small number of weeks left, you know, perhaps six weeks or something, even if you did get things organised uh, from the, the middle of July until you get to uh, the beginning of September. Um, and in the context of a, of a season, that's, that goes from being half a season to being you know, a, a small proportion of a season. Um, and uh, there, is, you know, there will be costs and there will be effort that clubs have got to, uh, to incur to, to get back up and running uh, again. And obviously the smaller the number of weeks that they can they can play the less likely probably they are for practical reasons and clubs have been losing revenue that may not be able to afford to do it so so if there is going to be a decision you know, rather than have it drag on and, and given that I think all of the evidence suggests that it is uh, safe can be safe to to play then you know sometimes there can be a tendency uh, in uh, in government and administration just to you know, to kind of defer it for a little bit, to, you know, to take a bit more time to put off a decision. But actually, this does have consequences. And so I think the, 
uh, the nettle should be grasped. Do you think that there will be a change of heart from the government on this? Uh, cricketers were expecting to don their whites from maybe, if not July the 4th, maybe July the 11th. Do you think that will still happen? Well, uh, I honestly don't know. Um, I, uh, a week ago, I thought that, that probably it would, because we knew that there was going to be this, um, you know, this loosening coming in. And um, I sent a tweet out uh, this time last week saying how sad it was that midsummer weekend, beautiful weather, as everyone remembers, uh, to see gorgeous cricket grounds, you know, silent and empty when they, they could have been, you know, helping cheer us all up. So, uh, but I thought that it would be possible to, uh, to resume. Uh, but I don't know. It's um, uh, clearly the answer the Prime Minister gave has has made that impossible until a new decision is made. Thanks a lot, Greg. Phil, the timing of Johnson's remarks is what makes it so frustrating. Cricket and ECB, in my opinion, has been admirably cautious all lockdown. And just as it was getting ready to tentatively return, the Prime Minister says that I could have been, I would have been fine if there was no club cricket all season and it was consistent with other national nationwide measures. Um, but it's the inconsistency that is so frustrating. So one of my, one of my really good friends is really, he's adamant that no one should go to the pub from July the 4th when it opens. He thinks it's too dangerous. And whilst I don't share that, that extent of apprehension around going to a, a pub or a restaurant, um, I definitely think that playing a game of cricket is just much more safe. Like you only have, 11 other people who you might, you might touch the same object as. Um, and you, you spoke to Simon Podger, the main man at the National Club Cricket Conference, and this is something that's really, really frustrated people high up in the recreational game as well. Yeah, I mean, Simon described it as a total lack of consistency to me. Um, I think he was chiming with the overall mood in the game. And as you say, we, I think everybody has has been prepared to suck this up. I think everyone has, that I've spoken to certainly from players upwards involved in club cricket have understood the complexities of this issue. And as you say, you, you also as individuals impart your own belief system onto it and your own sense of caution as well. That is all, all fair and all true. Um, but the sense of haphazardness is in very, very hard to shake. Uh, as you say, basketball is on. Basketball is a fast handling game and basketball is on. Uh, pubs are swinging open, beaches are, beaches are packed, notoriously packed. Oxford Street's open for business and yet cricket clubs remain shut. But there is a, a sense of random arbitra arbitrariness to this. Um, and it's, it's tested people's patience now, I think. Um, what's been interesting, as you, say, as you said, the ECB released a punchy statement within hours of, of, of the discussions in the Commons. Um, they are still strongly geared towards July the 4th. They, they still believe that July the 4th, or at least July the 11th, the following Saturday, is realistic. Um, Simon Proger, who you mentioned, he also chimes in and, and, say, and said similar things to me, that um, the ECB would not have been working, would not have been saying these things behind closed doors and now publicly unless there was a genuine belief that, that they can convince the government and convince the Department of Digital Media and Sport and so on that they can present a persuasive case for a safe, socially distanced game of cricket. Um, it's, it's becoming quite evident, and, and Simon confirmed this, as indeed did, did a couple of club chairmen uh, that I spoke to as well, that 11-a-side cricket is unrealistic at this stage. Now, 
this because of the bubbles? Those, those, for example, in, in favour of defending basketball um, against cricket would say, well, basketball is being played by six people on a court. Well, cricket uh, at this stage is going to be, certainly for this period of time, even if we can get it up and running within the next two weeks, uh, cricket will be an eight-a-side game. It may even be a six-a-side game. Uh, there is a knock-on question, of course, around that. How many people who are wedded to the game, desperate to play again, how many people will be prepared to play reduced numbers games? Uh, Simon said to me, that in his opinion, uh, junior cricket is more adaptable and women's cricket is more adaptable to reduced numbers. But the more traditional Saturday afternoon male, male cricketer may have to adjust his parameters a little bit more and and it will be interesting to see just how big a take-up we have for games that are t20 games two games in a day uh and as i say potentially eight aside games certainly for the the first few weeks of, of what will is obviously going to be a truncated season so there's so many things that we have to still pick apart here um uh the, the i've been oddly emboldened by what i've seen this week uh, because after the setback in the Commons on Tuesday, the, the way that the game has reacted, there is a sense of defiance there. And there is a, there is a kind of a cross-party recognition of the inconsistencies here. Um, a number of MPs, 30-something MPs, followed Greg, um, Mr Clark's complaint. Um, and he has, as you say, described it as absurd, the Prime Minister's reaction, the government's reaction. Uh, I actually believe that, that the game is still serious. And it's not just... Um, it's not just PR work here. I think the game is serious about being able to convince the government to uh, evolve their position on this, let's say. Not a U-turn, but an involvement of their position. So by July the 4th, but more realistically, July the 11th, we can still be seeing some degree of organised cricket. Uh, and it's been interesting as well, the Telegraph, you know, a staunch Boris Johnson supporting and defending newspaper uh, former employer, of course, of, of Mr. Johnson, they have launched a campaign with the full weight of their, their influence as well, from Michael Vaughan to Nick Holt to others. Uh, and I think that's a positive um, and defiant stance in keeping with how the game has reacted over the last few days. And so I'm not saying that I'm jumping for joy here, uh, and certainly I'm slightly less buoyant than I was a week ago but I don't think this game is done and I don't think the fight is over. Yeah I'm, quite, I'm worried that this has I mean it already has become political and I'm worried that the government rubber stamping cricket's return is in a way under undermining its prime minister I wonder if that will now be a barrier to cricket's imminent return. Um, I know what you mean I know what you mean but I think if they can frame it around the science now you know we've done our own research into the, into the science and interviewed our own um, disease spread experts and so on. And, and what we've heard back, and I know that the ECB as well have been talking to various experts in the field, and you have to stress this, the ECB would not have positioned themselves so much in favour of an early July start unless the science was supportive of their stance. I mean, they are by nature and probably necessarily a risk averse kind of organisation. And so for them to have said it's our strong desire and our firm belief they're not doing that on a whim. They've not reached that point on the back of a fag packet, right? They've been doing their own research themselves. They've been employing and enlisting the expertise of numerous people in the field. Uh, the science does not necessarily, does not support the government's position on this. The, the cricket ball is not some uniquely toxic orb 
that has to be avoided at all costs. It's not. Um, and there are ways to be adaptive. There has to be, of course. You know, play, fielders have hand sanitizers. Umpires carry carry cloths. The ball is is changed every every few overs and disinfected off off the pitch. And you play with three balls in an innings rather than one. There has to be a, an element of openness and ad adaptation here. Uh, if if the the will is uh, definitely there to get the game on, and it is, it is. And the ECB has has come in for a bit of bit of stick on that of late the sense of prioritising the big stuff over the little stuff. Well, they've had to do that necessarily, I would say. But now um, the little stuff is very much in the forefront of, of their priorities now. Um, just quickly to finish, you've spoken to a lot of people about this. What's your impression of what will actually happen next? Uh, my, my impression is that I think by the end of July, there will be organised games of cricket. I think there will be some... Uh, ad hoc, off-the-cuff T20 tournaments played between regional community cricket teams. I think there will be next to no league season, even you know a, a truncated nine-game league season, which is what my club chairman was looking and hoping for two weeks ago. And he sent me updates from his own, own league chairman saying, look, let's get going and 45 or 50 over games, nine league games, maybe one or two on a Sunday to get them all in. I don't think that's on now. I don't think that's realistic now. Uh, I think it will be a more organic set of fixtures from the end of July, start of August. Uh, I think there'll be midweek games. I think there'll be, there'll be uh, weekend T20 tournaments between four or five clubs played at four or five different venues. Um, and I think there will be a kind of defiant air of celebration around it. Uh, my, my, my dear hope, over and above everything else, is that junior cricket, which has traditionally never been played in, in August, because that is when the school holidays are raging and therefore kids are meant to be away with their families. Well, I think people's lives are going to be very different this summer, and I just hope and pray that enough junior cricket can take place so we don't lose that, that next generation, so to speak. Uh, I've spoken to various people involved in junior cricket in the last few days, and some of them have said it'll be interesting to see how this shows in years to come, whether we have a, a lost year, in effect. Well, that, that should be top of the list, really. You know, good old grizzled adult cricketers, they, they can lose a year, they'll still be back next year. But 13-year-olds, 8-year-olds, 15-year-olds, they're, the, they're the ones that we have to put right at the top of the list here, I would say. Um, and I think Clubs absolutely understand that every chairman I've spoken to has prioritised that. So I can see that. I also would add, I don't think anyone's eating a shared tea this year. I think, you know, you, you bring your own crisps, you bring your own jam roly-polies and your own, your own cheese sarnies. I think it's important to say no one, no one will care. No one will, totally. as, long, as long as totally. they're playing cricket, that's totally. the most important thing. And I totally echo your thing about making sure that the junior cricket return is uh, at the forefront of recreation cricket's return. Anyway, cheers, Phil. This has been the Wisdom Club Cricket Podcast in association with NatWest. If you've enjoyed the show, tell your friends. If you're feeling extra kind, one, leave us a nice review on the podcast app. Cheers. Podcast Network.